All right, everybody. How you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. My name is uh, Devin Fry. I am the student director here at Connect, and I get to uh, share the word today. Who's excited for the word? Awesome, awesome. Hey, do me a favor. Just get acclimated with your neighbors. High five maybe 25 to five people around you, and uh, just get to know them. Tell them they look good this morning. Tell them they look good. This is your moment if you're single. Come on, if you're over 30 years old and single, just raise up your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> They're like, what kind of church is this? This place is crazy. Hey, if you're going to find somebody, you find them in church. Holler at your boy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, all the single people are like, come on, seriously, Jesus, help. Anyways, uh, listen, I love to laugh. I love to have fun. Anybody else like me up in here? We believe here that uh, church should not be endured but enjoyed. Come on, somebody. And uh, also, we say it a lot, but uh, I believe that a quiet church is a dead church, and we are not a dead church. Come on, we shout, we shout the preacher down. Somebody say amen. amen. You can say preach. You can say get it, whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You just can't remain silent, all right? So just on the count of three, I just need you to say something, okay? One, two, three. Okay, a bunch of people said something. I like it. Whatever. It's good. It's good. Uh, a couple quick announcements before we get into uh, service. If you have your Bibles, uh, just wave them up to me real fast. If you have a real Bible, not your glowing Bibles, not your phones or anything. Love it. These are the real Christians in the room. Awesome. Great. Everybody else, we're silently judging you right now. Uh, open your Bibles to Revelation. Somebody say Revelation. And somebody say, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? Yeah. And if you're Brazilian, you can say, I'm your Deus. Anyways, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 2. As you're turning there, a couple quick announcements. is uh, We have an incredible semester coming up. We have a small group, connect group semester coming up in uh, just a few weeks. So I hope you guys are prepared to get involved and connected to some connect groups. We have tons of different groups from moms groups, singles, uh, uh, just men, women groups, sports groups, Bible studies, book studies. It's going to be amazing. So I highly suggest uh, you prepare and plan for that. It's going to be an amazing semester. A couple other things. Tonight at 5.30, we have SNL. Everybody say SNL. Uh, we have had our pastor out of the pulpit uh, for quite some time now, but the bishop is back tonight at 5.30. Anybody excited for that? So PD is in the house tonight. Um, he is the best preacher in this house. I am the best looking in this house, so just got to make that clear right off the bat. But uh, I would highly encourage any of you guys to come out Tonight at 5.30, it's going to be an amazing night, so uh, make sure you plan accordingly. Uh, one other thing is uh, I lead what's called the 508 Youth and Young Adults Ministry. we got high school, college, young adults, and uh, we have our monthly services coming up uh, September 9th. We have a new one uh, coming up, and we're so excited about it. Uh, if you're a young person in the room and you haven't come to the 508, first of all, what are you doing with your life? Secondly, you need to come to this one if you're too busy. Uh, you need to change your plans, and uh, I'm just telling you, it's going to be an unbelievable night. Uh, I think it says in the Bible, if you don't go to fire, you might be going to hell. So I'm not really sure about that. But anyways, uh, you got to come. It's going to be amazing, unbelievable. And uh, it's going to be an awesome night. We had the last service we had, just as a praise and testimony, we had over, uh, we had just under 350 young people in here on service. Countless people giving their lives to Jesus. Tons of people getting connected. Man, God is doing some miracles in this ministry and in this church. And we couldn't do it without our lead pastors and senior pastors and the leadership team here. So can we just give it up for the team at this church? Come on. 
Amen. Amen, amen. God's doing some amazing things, and I'm so grateful and excited to be able to share the word today. So Revelation chapter 2, I'll just give you a brief context for the story. Uh, John the Baptist, he is in prison right now. He's, on, uh, he's exiled to the island of Patmos. And so he's in this prison cell. Jesus reveals himself. He has kind of a vision. And uh, basically Jesus is speaking to John the Baptist. And he's saying, I want you to direct a few letters, seven letters in specific, to seven different churches in the province of Asia. Now we're going to directly study the church of Ephesus today in the letter that he wrote them. And I just want to ask you to, first of all, lean in for a moment. I want to talk to this whole church corporately, but I also want to talk to you individually. So I want to talk to the church and to you. And I'm just going to believe that God's going to speak to you directly, and uh, he's going to do some amazing things. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on, don't get silent on me. Uh, I like to say a lot of times, I am a self-proclaimed white Pentecostal black preacher. So if you want to shout me down, feel free. I got the drums and piano behind me. We're going to have a good day today. Come on, somebody. Uh, We always got one racist in the house. Okay. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. I'm just kidding, Richie. You did phenomenal. Can we give it up for Richie earlier? He did unbelievable killing it killing it revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 it says this to the angel of the church in ephesus write this these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands i'm going to define that a little bit later in the message it says and he's speaking directly to the church of ephesus jesus is saying i know your deeds your hard work and your perseverance i know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Verse 4, this is the key verse today. It says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. What a powerful, powerful scripture right there. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not... I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Today, I want to preach a message entitled, You've Got Mail. Somebody just say that after me. Say, You've Got Mail. Anybody remember AOL back in the day? If you still have an AOL account, raise your hand real fast. All right, you guys need to delete your accounts right now. That is so old school. Okay, I'm just saying. Uh, anybody remember that when you got received a, uh, some, some message? You've got mail, you know? I just want to preach from that thought today, and uh, I'm going to believe that God's going to speak to you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this church. I am so grateful for this opportunity. I ask today that we will be able to hear from heaven, Lord. Uh, help us today to see Jesus, hear the Holy Spirit, and to encounter the power of God. I know each and every single person you love in here, and you are for them. I pray you just speak directly to them, give them what they need, Father. In Jesus' name, would you encourage them, challenge them, convict them, and help us to be more like Jesus. We also ask that you put your anointing on Jimmy Garoppolo for the next four games. In Jesus' name. And come on, somebody said? Amen, amen. Come on, where are my Pats fans at? Awesome. The real Christians right there. Some people may call us demons, but they call they are false teachers. Anyways. So uh, anybody in here like me and you love receiving packages in the mail, come on, by raise the hands. You love receiving packages. I'm not talking about bills. Those are from the devil. But I'm talking about like packages in the mail. I'm an online shopper. Uh, fashion and, and being cool is a high priority of mine. So I got to make sure that I'm always uh, have the nicest, fittest gear and stuff. So I'm online shopping. We're driving to the beach about last year. And uh, I'm online shopping. I realized that 
I got no sunglasses, so of course I go on AmazonPrime.com, God's chosen website, and uh, go on AmazonPrime.com, I buy some Oakley sunglasses, I get it shipped to my house, it takes about two to three days, but I'm one of the impatient ones, anybody else like me, where as soon as you buy it and order it, you almost like look outside as if the package and the mailman is coming outside, and so I look outside, I realize that he's not coming, the next day I look outside, I realize the mailman comes. He's two days early, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, the good Lord, he is good. Somebody say amen. And so he, he gets to the mailbox and uh, puts the package in. I run outside as fast as I can, open up the mailbox, look at the package. I read the title on top of it. It says it's to Madison Fry. I am so mad right now. It's not my package. I don't even go inside. I don't even have the courtesy to go back inside, bring her her package. I just shove it back in the mailbox. I said, forget you, Madison. This is my mailbox. Okay. So I go back inside. wait a couple days. My package arrives. I am so excited, y'all. I'm so pumped up. I go to the mailbox, open up the mailbox, says to Devin Fry, I'm freaking out, I'm pumped up, I'm ready to have some sunglasses, and he got my hater blockers on, come on, you know what I'm saying. And so, that's just stupid terminology, just whatever, forget that joke, I'll not do it for third service. Um, I go inside, and uh, I open up the package, I yell, Mom, my sunglasses came in. She's like, Dev, okay, cool, you're a grown man, you don't have to tell me everything. I'm like, yeah, whatever, Mom. And... uh, open up the package, reach inside, and as I'm pulling out these sunglasses, I realize there's something different about this box. I feel a bunch of like tickles on my arms. I'm thinking to myself, what is this? I pull out the sunglasses, hundreds if not thousands of termites come out of the box. And if you know anything about me, I'm like, ah, God, I'm freaking out, okay? I am freaking out. Why? Because insects straight up, I believe, are going to be in hell. I'm convinced of it. I don't know why they're on this planet. But I hate termites. So I'm screaming. My mom's screaming. The termites are screaming. And uh, I step back from the box. The, the termites are going all over our island in our kitchen. And uh, I'm freaking out. So I did what any man of God would do. I stepped back and I lit my whole house on fire. And so that's kind of how it worked. Just stayed in a holiday inn for the next couple days. It was good. But uh, <laughs> as much as I hate that specific package that I received, I always love receiving mail. I always love kind of getting that kind of stuff besides bills, of course. But from what we read earlier, the text we read, is this church of Ephesus, they got mail. Except they got mail from somebody who is very important, Jesus Christ. And so they received this package in the mail. They received this personalized letter from Jesus. And the Ephesus church opens it up. Now, how many know right off the bat, this is an interesting letter. If you got a personal letter written by Jesus Christ himself, how many know I want to read that letter? Like, that's something interesting. And so they open up this letter and they begin to read it. And in this letter it says, I know your good deeds. I know all the good things you have done, all the incredible things you guys have done. You guys are serving. You guys are selfless. You guys are watching your doctrine and theology closely. But here's my one concern. And this is a big concern. He says, uh, you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your first love. Another translation says, you neglected your first love. In other words, what he's saying here is, listen, you guys are doing good. But in this whole process, you forgot God. You forgot God. And I kind of want to unpackage this a little bit. And uh, I just want to ask you this rhetorical question. I believe it's in your notes. If you want to fill it in, you can. Is this, who or what is your first love? Who or what is your first love? You don't have to get quiet on me. Uh, Just kind of receive this message. But this is a good one for all of us. I'm speaking to the church corporately, but I'm also speaking to you individually. To every father, mother, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, young person, I'm telling you, this is for you. Who or what is your first love? And uh, I just want to kind of say right off the bat, like, this is, this is a big question today. And uh, 
I think oftentimes when you hear that in church, everybody would say and respond, uh, Jesus is my first love. Well, I would say that might be debatable. And I want to give you just kind of a few tests to kind of look through, a few lenses to look through to see uh, really if he is. And uh, I just want to say right off the bat, you've heard it from our pastor probably many times, but um, if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And if he's not one, he's none. Like he doesn't take two, he doesn't take the third position, fourth, fifth position. God deserves number one and number one only. And some people say this is a daunting question or a daunting uh, uh, task to try and fulfill. But let me tell you, it's really not that much. This man saved your soul. He died for your sin. You are a forgiven person. And let me just tell you right off the bat, this is an easy response. Why? Because I, was a ba- I wasn't a bad person that turned good. I was a dead person turned alive. Come on, somebody. I was a person that was once dead in my sin, but now I'm made alive in Christ because of what he has done on that cross for me. And I'm telling you, I was a person full of depression, full of anger, full of hatred, full of judgment, full of just all this kind of insecurity and stuff. And I'm telling you, when I met Jesus, he gave me purpose. Come on, he gave me calling. He gave me potential. God has done incredible things for you and I, and it is simply a response back to God saying, I will put you first. You are number one and number one only. Come on. Is number one and number one only. And so I just got to tell you, I just got to give you a few tests to kind of look through to kind of identify what your first love is. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this one down. Number one, a great indicator to showcase what you love is in your talk. Is in your talk. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Just turn to your neighbor and say, oh, this is about to be good. And turn to your other one and be like, oh, or maybe it's going to be bad. I don't know. Is <laughs> in your talk. Uh, You know what I've learned just in my experience as a young man? I'm 24 years old. I know I look, obviously, way more mature than I am, but whatever. Uh, I've just learned, like, what you talk about the most is what you love the most. You guys follow me? Well, like, what you talk about, what you communicate is really what you love. And uh, I'm a person, I'm a loud person. I don't know, where my loud people at? Come on, make some noise. Awesome. You know what I realized is, like, God never made a quiet Latino or Latina. You know what I'm talking about? I'm married to a Brazilian, and, like, Brazilians, like, they, like, nah, 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 nah. they're loud, okay? They're loud people. Yeah, see? So, yeah, oh, Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's what you're saying. Um, like, I'm a loud person, so I, I just communicate when I believe something. I'm going to speak up about something. And one particular thing I love almost more than anything, uh, where my food lover's at. Come on, somebody. So as I've been married, I've been married for five and a half months now, and so uh, I've just fallen in love with Brazilian food. Come on, rice, beans, chicken, beef, rice, beans, chicken, rice, beans for life, everybody. Like, it's like, that's like my, that's like my breakfast, lunch, dinner, even second dinner, you know? Rice and beans for life. And so uh, this is one particular restaurant I love in Framingham, okay? It's called, uh, forgive, forgive me if I translate it. It's Pão de Brasil. Did I get it? Did I get it? Pão de Brasil. Like, you don't, you, it's not an S, it's a Z, and there's no L at the end, and it's not pão. It's pão de Brasil. Just got to get that right. Yeah. That's my whole sermon. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Um, it, and so I go into the restaurant, and uh, I, I, I go up to the lady, I say, Excuse me, miss, can I get a conchinha? That's good. You know I got a white boy. That's a good white boy accent right there, though. Can I get a conchinha? Maybe a pound of queijo? Okay. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, oh, 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 Lord Jesus, I feel it. Uh, anybody else feel a tingle in your toes right now? Yeah. Uh, I go up and say, can I get some picanha? 
Maybe my favorite, the Shuha school. Oh, come on. You know what? I just like, when, when I love something, like I'm going to talk about I love food. I love food. You know, I love what it says in the scriptures, Luke 6, 45. It just says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's in your heart, the things you love the most, are the things you're going to talk about the most. What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so let me just tell you, there's something that I just think we need to challenge as a church is if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, and I know there's many people in this room that are either curious, been a seasoned Christian, maybe just kind of figuring this whole thing out. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus, but let me tell you, to the people who do, we must, be, we must never be silent about our king. We must never be silent about our God because he has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has died for us. We were made righteous because of him. And I just got to tell you right off the bat, we cannot be silent about our king of kings and lord of lords and Jesus. You know, your Facebook timeline or your social media should just be full of Jesus, full of God conversations. Your, your, what comes out of your mouth, the people you talk to, you have to be in conversation about it. Why? Because it's in, he's in your heart. You claim you love him, so don't be silent about him. Come on. Don't be silent about him. I used this illustration before, but let me just use it again because it's powerful. Is, uh, imagine for a moment some of my friends come up to me and say, Dev, let's go out to dinner. Let's get some sushi together, and uh, let's go out for a bros night. I say, man, I'm sorry, I can't. I actually have a date night with my wife later. And imagine for a moment, this didn't happen, uh, but imagine for a moment these guys respond and they say, you have a wife? I didn't even know you had a girlfriend. How many know that's a problem? <laughs> Especially because you never want to be in the way of the wrath of Brazilian women. Trust me on that. It's like Brazilian woman's wrath, hell, right above here, okay? Um, <laughs> but mine, she's an angel all the time. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love you. Don't, don't hurt me. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, I'm going to get into the doghouse later. Uh, where was it? What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So uh, imagine that's, that's like a bad scenario. That's a bad situation. Anybody agree with that? Let me just tell you, this is a picture of Christianity nowadays. Why? Because we're silent about the person we claim to love. The person that saved your soul, forgave your life, gave you calling and destiny. I love what it says in the scripture. It says Psalm 107. I believe 107, 103. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why? Because if God has saved your life, he has changed your life, he has redeemed your life, you ought to say something. Come on, somebody raise your voice. Come on, somebody make some noise. Why? Because God has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has transformed us. He has made us new. We are new creations in Christ. You are an overcomer. Come on, somebody. Come on. He has done far more than you think he has, and he can do far more than you think he can do. And I'm just telling you, we cannot be a church that is silent. In a time in society where culture says, forget these Jesus followers, we must be a church that says, I will not bow down to what the world says. I will not bow down to culture. As a matter of fact, if they're going to be loud about their sin, I'm going to be loud about my Jesus. I'm going to be loud about what my God has done for me and has transformed my life. I owe everything to my Jesus. Why? He transformed my life. If you knew anything about me, you think I'm just some nice little pastor's kid. A lot of times PK is what we call pastor's kids. They get bad reps from either being completely rebellious or goody two-shoes. Let me tell you, I was more on the rebellious side, but I was far beyond that. I was somebody that just ran away from God. As a matter of fact, I said I hated the church and know what God did. He just said, no, now you're going to build my church. Why? Because he can do incredible things with somebody. He can do incredible things with somebody. We, we cannot be a church that is silent. 
I'm telling you, and you need to be challenged on this, is if you talk way more about your problems than your God, that's a problem. People talk about what they love the most. They talk about what they love the most. You know, I, I do a lot of young ministry, young people ministry. You know what I found, and I just kind of observed about this, is people, I think, they're just in love with their problems. Honestly, honest to God, like, I see young people nowadays, they talk so much more about their problems. Why? Because I think they love drama. I think they love it. You know, it's oftentimes a person says, I hate drama, that actually loves drama. You know what I'm talking about? And so some people just glorify their problems, and they need a problem to survive. Why? Because it gives them attention. But let me tell you, your problems would diminish if you just elevated your God. If you're a person that just spoke up about what God has done, I love what the scriptures say. It just says, I will bless the Lord with my lips. I will bless the Lord at all times. And somebody here needs to hear this. I pray you do, and I pray you get challenged on this. But we have to be people that speak up about our God. Amen? Why? Because what you love the most is what you talk about the most. A great indicator to figure out what your first love is is what you talk about. Number two, write this one down. Number two is this. A great indicator to figure out what you love the most or what your first love is is in your schedule. It's in your schedule. I'm going to get real practical today. It's in your schedule. As I can tell what you love by what you schedule. What you prioritize is what you love. You know, and Ty and I, we... uh, we had this concert on our uh, on our calendar for a while. I go to a Coldplay concert. It was amazing, unbelievable concert. But uh, we were just excited about. It. We love going to see good music and listen to good music. So we had it on our calendar for like three, four months. And I know a lot of people in here. Uh, you guys are big calendar users. But let me just tell you this: is like you can figure out what you love by what you calendar, what you put on your schedule. I can tell you just from looking at your calendar for thirty seconds. I can tell you what you love. And I just wrote down like two non-negotiables. This is something that came from our church. I mean, from our family, my family, my parents kind of put it down into me. But two non-negotiables that you have to schedule or prioritize. I really should say you get to schedule and prioritize. Number one is the church. Come on, somebody. Don't be silent on me. Number one is the church. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. It is not no president. It is not anything that government can give. It is the hope of it is the church, the hope of the world. This is not just some man-made idea. No, this was God's idea, is the church. And so I just need you to know that today. This is just a non-negotiable. Some of you guys just need to be challenged a little bit on this and feel no conviction or or condemnation, if you will, uh, on this. But, like, being in church, I heard one guy say, church is not a a, a, uh, sacrifice. It's an investment. You learn about your God. You learn about your creator. Therefore, you learn about yourself. You figure out how God made you and designed you. And if you just knew the God of the universe who created the heavens and the stars, every shard of glass on this earth cares about you, knows every hair on your head, know this, your life would be dramatically transformed and changed. This is a time where we're not trying to sacrifice. We're trying to get investment from God. You come into church, and I'm telling you, it can change your life. It will change your life 100%. And I didn't say this in first service, but this is good for everybody here. Is there comes a time and a point in your life as a Christian where you can't just be a consumer but a contributor. You guys follow me? So you can't just be a person that just says, oh, feed me, feed me mentality. Oftentimes you hear, or maybe you've heard it before, or maybe you've said this before, and I want to challenge it is sometimes you hear people say, oh, feed, I'm not getting fed enough, so I'm going to a different church. Last time I checked, my mom doesn't make my sandwiches anymore. My wife does. But anyways, you know, <laughs> it's a new level of growth. But anyway, besides that, like, there comes a point where you got to make your own sandwiches. There comes a point where you got to get in your own relationship with God. There comes a point where you can open up your Bible and study the scriptures for yourself. And the church does not exist necessarily for you. It exists for the world. 
And we exist to see people far from God be reached for the gospel of Jesus. And so we just need to tell you, we need your seat. We need you to get in this game. We need you to go through the growth track process, get in some connect groups. Some of you guys have been sitting on your talent for far too long. And God has given you five, three, maybe one talent, and you've been sitting on it for a long time. And let me just tell you, God does not like that. He doesn't. And some of you guys are so talented. You have the gift of leadership, and you just need to re- develop and raise up and to be a small group leader because people desperately need your voice. They desperately need your story. And we can't just be consumers but contributors into this whole thing. I'm telling you, it's something that's so important. It's a non-negotiable. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe verse you're supposed to throw it up there. 24 and 25. Let me just read it from the text. They're leaving me up here by myself. Is it up there yet? Of course it is. Now it is. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Here this verse 25, not giving up meeting together. How important is that? Not giving up meeting together. And it says, as some are in the habit of doing, don't be that person. Don't be that person that's just not in church. I know there's going to be some times where you maybe can't make it, but the church is not something you just come to once a week. The church is who you are. You should be living out your faith on a daily basis every single day of the week. We're not just praising God for two hours on a Sunday morning, but we're praising God our entire lives like my life was saying. And so it goes, but some about encouraging one another on. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is all the more. Matter of fact, it doesn't say just come to church once a week. It says meet all the more as the day approaches. In other words, get in community. Get in groups. Get plugged into this thing because you matter, and we need you on this team. We need you to reach this entire community. Do you know how our world is in the shape the world is in right now? I mean, you guys don't need to watch the news for more than three minutes to see we are in desperate need of Jesus in our community and in our world. And so we just need to tell you today, and I just want to tell you today, we need you on this team. We do. Get through our growth track process. We got SNL tonight, but C101 is next week. And I'm just telling you, man, like this is like, this isn't just a, a good or bad thing to do. This is a life or death situation for some people out there. And you have the talents and the ability uh, to reach some of those people that we can't. So let's team up together. Amen? Amen? This is just some non-negotiable stuff. Second thing I just wrote down in my notes is your soul. A non-negotiable you need to schedule and prioritize is your soul. What does that mean? Basically, mind, body, spirit. Something I've learned and realized is like when I am when I am not reading my Bible or I'm not praying or I'm not in relationship with God often, my emotions get out of whack. Anybody ever recognize that or realize that? You know, uh, I think what happens when you read your Bible is you're literally exchanging your thoughts with God's. And it's just saying, no, I'm not going to think this way anymore. I love what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says, when I was a child, I walked like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childish things behind me. And so let me just tell you, one thing that can develop you from adolescence into adulthood is when you're in devotion, when you're reading your Bible, when you're just praying, when you're, when you're in community and fellowship and relationship with God, it changes the game for everybody. It's, just, it's something you need to schedule on a daily basis. And some of you guys have inner turmoil and anxiety and a lack of peace. And I'm telling you, you can get all that kind of stuff when you're in fellowship and in relationship with Jesus. I'm just, it's just so good for you to hear that sometimes we just rely on the preacher on a Sunday morning to have our relationship with God. But let me tell you, this Bible works Monday through Saturday too. It works Monday through Saturday, and it can do a whole lot more than you think it can. I love what the scripture says in Josh, Joshua 1.8. just says, meditate on this word day and night. You will be prosperous. This is a promise from God. 
It also says in Psalm 92, what I was saying earlier, is you're planted in the house of the Lord and you will flourish. This is something that you can claim as a promise for your own. You get rooted in the church, you get rooted in the word, and I'm telling you, your life will be dramatically different. Amen? Amen. Number three, write this one down. You getting something out of this? I'm trying to preach with all I got, so I'll give you one last point. Verse, I mean, uh, number three is this. Is a great indicator to showcase what you love and your first love is, is in your money. Oh, he's talking about it. It's in your money. Is uh, I love what it says, and uh, I believe it's Matthew. It just says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what you invest into is what you love. The things you invest in is what you love. You know, you could figure out what you love by looking at your bank statement. If you looked at mine, you'd probably see food, 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 church, shoes, food, 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 you know? Uh, you can tell a whole lot by your bank statement. And so let me just ask you, like, what does yours look like? That's just a good question to kind of think about. You know, I wrote this in my notes, and this will be challenging to some, but but hear me on this and let me explain it for a moment, is, is you don't trust in God if you don't return to God what is already his. You don't trust in God if you don't return to God what is already his. Um, let me explain this. God has given you everything uh, than you can possibly ask, think, or imagine. If he only died for your sins, that is enough. But because he's a gracious and a good father, and he takes care, and he's a protector and a provider, he has given you far more than you ever need. And so hear me on this. Some people say, oh, you're, you're going to ask, the church has asked me for their money, for my money that I work hard for, that I, that I got for myself. Let me tell you, God gave you that stuff. And hear me on this, is, is my dad said something so profound, it was so amazing, and it just stuck with me for years. He says, it's funny, people trust God with their eternity, but they don't trust God with their finances. People trust God with their forever, but they don't trust God with their temporary. It's funny about, isn't that weird? It's like, we just need to be people as a church who just trust God. I'm telling you, like I said before, the church is the conduit for the hope of the world. We are to uh, preach Jesus and to provide for people. I'm telling you, and if people, everybody got together in community and harmony, and we just said, we're going to do this thing together as a team, we could see incredible things happen. And we just need you in this journey. We need you in this process. Let me illustrate it this way. Natalia uh, was baking me some cookies this one time. Uh, I already feel God moving. You know how and so I was sleeping, in, I was pretty much in bed already, it was like 10, 10.30 at night. I wasn't necessarily prepared or ready or wanting to have any cookies or anything like that, but I already brushed my teeth, I was ready for bed. She comes walking in, she goes, babe, this is how she talks, you know, Brazilians are always loud. Babe, uh, I made some cookies for you. And I'm like, what kind are they? Thinking to myself, she makes some incredible chocolate chip cookies, uh, or even some oatmeal raisins. She goes, they're oatmeal. I'm like, oatmeal, ugh. Don't, don't horses eat oats? That's disgusting. And she comes walking in. She goes, babe, I want you to eat it. I'm like, babe, I don't really want it. She goes, I want you to eat it. I was like, I don't really want it. You're going to eat it. I was like, yes, ma'am. Okay, sounds good. She gives me the cookie, shoves it down my throat. I'm just kidding. She didn't do it. Uh, she just gives me the cookie. I eat it. And as, I, as I'm tr- starting to chew it, I'm realizing, wow, this is probably made by, like, the Holy Spirit himself because this is unbelievable. I start to chew this thing, and I'm realizing, Wow, this is amazing. I go into the kitchen. I'm like, hey, you got any more, babe? You got any more? And I uh, grab like four to 13 more. And then uh, I consume it all. She made like a huge box. I grab a package of like literally, no joke, don't judge me for all you calorie counters in here, but like nine to 
15 cookies the next day, brought it into work. Fast forward the next day, lunchtime comes around. I eat my sandwich. She shows up, surprises me for lunch. I eat my sandwich. She eats hers. I pull out my bag of cookies, all 15 of them. And I pull out one of them and start eating it. And she grabs in my bag and she opens, she pulls out a cookie and she starts eating it right in front of my face. I said, woman, those are my cookies. And she goes, babe, I made them for you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. You're right. I'm totally wrong. Uh, Can I just say this? Like, this is how we are with God. Is he made it? He opened up doors you didn't think he opened. He gave you and provided for you the job that you have. He gave you the hands that you can work with, the feet that you can walk with, the mindset that you have. And it is simply only right to return to God what is already his. And he's just saying, hey, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, test me in this, says the Lord, and I will make your barns overflow. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Some of you guys need to hear this. God's saying, come on, bring it on. You're stressed when you give. I'm telling you, you'll be blessed when you give to me. And so hear me on this. Is, is You really don't trust in God if you don't return to God what is already his. Now, I know this is a good place to, to invest in and tithe in. In a few weeks, we're just going to go through kind of our giving statements and stuff. But know this. This is a good place to sow in. If you're a first time, first few time kind of guest, I feel no obligation to give. This is not me guilt tripping anybody. But I'm telling you, I want your finances to be blessed. Our church wants your finances to be blessed. And 90% with me, uh, or 90% with God, compared to 100% with me, I'm telling you, I'll take these odds all day. Why? Because I want the right hand, the blessing of God to be on my finances. Anybody else in here? Amen, amen. So all three of those, just to review, is your talk, what indicates your love? Is your talk, what, is your two, is... Your schedule, and three is what? Your money. Let me direct your attention, I'm closing now, to Revelation 2.5. It says this, consider how far you have fallen. Another uh, translation says this in the message paraphrase. It says, it's a Lucifer fall. Consider how far away you've fallen, church of Ephesus. And for, for us today, consider how far we have fallen, church, Connect Community Church. Is it's a Lucifer fall. I mean, we've forgotten God in this whole process. Like, this is what life is about. And it just says, repent and do the things you did at first. The Bible says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And remove your lampstand from its place. What does that mean? Basically, the lampstands. There's seven golden lampstands. And there are seven different churches represented in the province of Asia. Church of Ephesus, Laodicea, Corinth, all these different churches. And so what is God saying here? He says, I'm going to remove your light, your lamp, from your lampstand. He's saying, I'm going to strip you of influence. I'm going to strip you of your light and darkness because you've forgotten your first love. I want you to write this in your notes. It should be in there. A church that loses its love loses its light. And this is for you too, you individually. Is a person that loses its love for God or loses their love for God loses their light for God. God cannot bless whom he cannot trust. And if you have him as your number one spot, I'm telling you, there is favor and and provision coming after you. Miracles are following you if you're a person who keeps Jesus first and keeps Jesus at the center. Amen? Now hear me on this. I'm not trying to tell you to try harder to love God. That's not what this message is about. I just kind of wanted to reveal a few lenses that you can look through to identify what your first love is. But what I'm trying to tell you is not to try harder to love God, but try harder to understand how much God loves you. That is a game changer. 
When you realize, like I said before, the stars in the sky and the heavens and the earth were created by a man, a father, a God who loves you and is on your side, on your team, it's like having a greater Michael Jordan on your basketball team. I'm telling you, when you realize that he is on your team and he is for you, man, nothing can go against you. Amen? Can you stand to your feet with me? We're going to pray in a moment. I just, I realize this about my faith is this, is that a Christian life is simply really a response. It's not so much a pursuit. Now, what does that mean? It means God has pursued you long before you pursued him. And so what I've realized and recognized is you simply are responding back to God's pursuit. And so hear me on this. First John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We first loved him because he first loved us. Or we love him because he first loved us. And so I'm just simply going to give you a moment to respond to God's love. And I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't think that everybody in this room is here. Anybody is by accident. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. We're going to have a, a, a divine meeting with God right now. And I know there's a lot of people in this room, people who are curious about their faith, people who don't necessarily know God. But I want to give you an opportunity now to establish right relationship with him. Because I'm telling you, he is for you. Bible says it is his kindness and his goodness, not his judgment, not his wrath that leads you to repentance, but his goodness and kindness. And so I just want to give you a moment today, if you're in this room and you need to get right with Jesus and you need to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time, if that's you, I'm going to count to three and I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. One, Jesus died for you and he loves you so much. Two, today is your day for salvation. Three, shoot up your hand if that is you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give it a moment. I think there's another person in here that's been wrestling with God for a long time, and this is your moment to surrender it. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Can you all just repeat this prayer after me? Now, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, then you will be saved. It's not this prayer that will save you, but believing it will. And so we we'll just repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I repent for my sin. And I turn from my old ways. And I turn towards you. I ask you into my heart. Thank you for saving me. For redeeming me. For transforming me. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more group of people I want to pray for. If you could just bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. And just the subject of my message is just putting Jesus first. Is who or what is your first love? Because if God is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. So I just want to ask a moment if you could respond and just again by raising your hand and saying, I need to put Jesus first. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Hands all over the room. Putting Jesus first. Amen. You put your hands down. Just repeat this prayer after me again. Say, Jesus, again, thank you. I put you in the number one spot of my life. I'm going to talk about you. I will prioritize my relationship with you. I'll return to you what you already gave me. And I'm so thankful and grateful for what you did. 
him for what you are doing. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Come on, can you give God a round of applause? Amen. Real, real quick thing, real fast. I'm going to pass it off to my wife in a second. But I was watching this movie recently. And uh, it was called Suicide Squad. I know it sounds pretty vulgar. Forgive me for it. Um, but basically the premise of the story is all these bunch of bad guys all thrown in prison. Uh, and then there was another kind of anarchy that rose up. And so the plan was to use these bad guys to defeat these bad guys. Follow me so far. And in this story, there are two characters I want to highlight. One is the Joker, Batman's enemy. And then Harley Quinn, his girlfriend. And they have a conversation in this movie that genuinely marked me. It messed with me a lot. And the Joker says, Harley, he says, would you die for me? And Harley almost immediately responds, of course I will. And he goes, no, 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 that's too easy. And he says, would you live for me? And she thought about it and she says, yes, I will. And I just want to pose that question to you today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, in view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. You know, I think a lot of people would say, I would die for Jesus. Let me ask this question. Would you live for him? Would you live for him? And let us be a church that lives for Jesus and stands on his word. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much.